Yes, folks, all the way from CPAC 2019, we are live. Now, oh, come on, that's not all the way. It's not even far. I'm in Washington, D.C. Took me like a few hours to drop. Anyway, welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. This is Ogrodowski and Jason Burmis of We Are Change that are here for our Sunday weekly propaganda breakdown show. And today, of course, is Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, March 2nd, 2019, where we are going to be live for the next hour to two, to two hours, taking your phone calls live on Facebook, on Periscope. The podcast of this episode will be available on iTunes later, but mainly we are going to be talking to you here on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash we are change, where we're going to be chatting with you, especially answering your super chats and, of course, giving up the number to call. So, Ooh, that was quick. I almost got a brain freeze just explaining that. So obviously, I'm here at CPAC. I think you can see the Potomac River down over there. A nice big CPAC sign and a whole bunch of interesting people. I've been tweeting about this. Uh, it's definitely one of the weirder kind of events, but also one of the most boring events. And uh, we're going to be doing a full report on that as Trump just finished his two-hour-long crazy speech. But this week, another insane week of news here in D.C. now. How's your week, Jason, and how are you doing? I'm doing well, and I would agree with you. There was yet another pretty damn crazy week in news, Luke, and a lot of that's going to integrate into CPAC, as a lot of it revolves around the Kush, as you're going to get into um, some pretty crazy things going on with Israel as well, uh, and, and a lot more. Um, some Epstein stuff back in the news, and of course, you know, we already covered it, but there was no stopping the thunder and lightning tsunami storm that was the four hour and 40 minute podcast of Alex Rogan, or I'll call it Alex Rogan, the Alex Rogan podcast, because it literally overtook not only the North Korea summit, but then the Cohen testimony, and it just dominated the web. Dominated. It shows how yeah. irrelevant uh, the mainstream really is. Yeah, there was a tweet out there going like, first we have a nuclear situation that could cause a catastrophe in this world. Then we have the Michael Cohen testimony. And then we have Alex Jones coming in on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about interdimensional uh, species and aliens and CIA government agents who are literally uh, pumping oxygen into their blood, stopping their hearts to traverse and talk to aliens that give us secret technology. That's just a, synops That's just a small synopsis of what dominated the headlines. And obviously, just an insane, crazy week, to say the least. Uh, we're going to have some guests joining us on this broadcast. We're going to have Ford Fisher of News to Share joining us in a little bit. Will Chamberlain as well. He's a kind of lawyer, legal expert. We're going to get into Jaron Kushner, what's happening with uh, uh, Israel, with Netanyahu as well. There's so much news to get into. But let's take some phone calls, Jason, and let's address, uh, let's address some of the Super Chats. Because as you know, I'm here live on the ground. I'm calling you on my phone. Uh, and we're, we're doing another thing through another phone, so I can't really hear or see any of the chats going on there. But let's go off to some of those super chats. Yeah, and remember, folks, Luke will not be 100%, will not be able to hear whatever phone call uh, comes in. But we will take your first couple of calls at 607-542-9184. Excuse me, That's 607-542-9184. Uh, guys, again, we will take all your super chats. You got any questions you think Luke should... Uh, Tackle one of these people in a suit. I can't guarantee he will, but you never know. Uh, Eula Landry, hello from Oregon. Thanks for all the wonderful work you and your team do. I really appreciate it. Uh, Eula, we really appreciate you. Without you, it's not possible. Thank you, Stephen Best, for your super chat as well. It's very colorful. What did Stephen Best say? What was Stephen Best saying? 
Um, we won't be talking about it on this. Per- this well, is a family. I mean, I think it's fair. I think it's fair if you paid for the super chat. I mean, <laughs> you're gonna put me on the spot. <laughs> Luke's acting I like I can't uh, see it, Jason. Jason, I can't see it. I, I, you know, we're, <laughs> we're talking through another. I, if, I, if I could see the super chat, I would read the. Super Basically, chat out, Stephen Stephen Best is an animal lover, folks. So you know, I don't know if he's vegan. <laughs> I have to do that. But uh, I have to do that. To you, he's Jason. out there. So you know, I think it's pretty interesting, Luke. Let's just talk a little bit about. Trump's speech, right, really quickly, because I didn't catch all of it. But what I did catch at the end, you know, I know you're going to talk about the bullshit comment, but to me, the bigger thing for me was at the end of it, he's got the Rolling Stones playing, you can't always get what you want. You can say whatever you want about Trump. He knows how to get an audience. He has bravado. That, to me, I laughed. I'm like, you know what? It's hard not to like the guy. I mean, he's playing yep. a song that basically says "f you all" for not loving everything I do. That's pretty much that's pretty much the the theme. That's pretty much the the Trump doctrine. Uh, we're gonna go over that uh, uh, that specific song uh, in greater detail. Would of course for it as well. But you know, let's just I mean, let's we're gonna do it into a monologue. I think because there's so much to get into, and this is really the kind of event. I'm just gonna walk over to Ford Fisher, uh, who's also here, who's also an independent journalist. You've seen him. Uh, we were in riots together in Paris, France. Uh, obviously, CPAC is ending. The Trump speech just momentarily ended, and everything is just being calm here. And then Ford, where did Ford go? He is, okay. I feel like I'm hunting. Where the hell did he go? Uh, there was a huge, huge security theater. There he is. All right. So here we got Ford, who was also here, a part of CPAC uh, 2019. Let me place this little... Badass monopod I have here. So yeah, here with Ford Fisher of News to Share. We're both here for CPAC 2019. And this year was very, very interesting. Every year there's always something to talk about, always something different, always something that catches people. And I think this year a lot of people from the right were banned. I saw Laura Loomer banned. I heard Nick Fuentes was banned. I heard a lot of people from the right were banned. Uh, a lot of left-wing journalists, a lot of left-wing kind of even, you would say, uh, advocates, advocates and... and um, how would you say, uh, protesters or activists? Oh, we got a phone call? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he literally oh, called goodness. it as Fisher was there. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear Okay, let's take the phone call really quick, then we'll get into the whole rundown here with Ford Fisher. <laughs> All right, brother, uh, what's your name? What would you like to talk about? Oh, uh, well, it might be a little bit off topic. Um, That's okay. But I was, I was wanting to know if Luke or, or Jason knew about uh, the flat earth idea. All right, so thank you very much for the call. Um, oh, the I'm not going to lie, Luke. That was Let's a flat Earth caller. I respect Ford. the call. but uh, I, I heard you, Jason. What's Ford, that? We're going to give this to Ford. <laughs> the Earth is not flat. <laughs> That's Ford official that statement. Shouldn't have, had to, uh, shouldn't have had to be asked. Yeah, normally I'm like, well, we've got to weigh all the opinions. I'm not going to weigh in on, you know. But no, sorry. If you're propagating the view that the uh, Earth is flat, then uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Family-friendly show. Family-friendly show. Damn it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, this was censorship-free. Aren't you an anarchist? It is, it is. Yeah, we are. We are. YouTube's going to come get you now because I said that. Yeah, seriously. No, you can't You can't really curse. But but again, I also had like a little family and like a mother come to me being like, my son used to watch you, but then I don't want him to watch you anymore because you threw a lot, out of, a lot of F-bombs. It won't happen again. This is like Alex Jones always does that. He's like, ah, he says all these terrible things. And he's like, excuse me. I know this is a family program. Yeah, Alex Jones literally describes the most graphic, most nastiest disgusting talking about entrails and human waste in the most graphic of ways and then he's like 
Well, say the F word, kids. <laughs> come on, you, you son of a gun. Okay, uh, anything you want to say, Jason, about the Flat Earth? Oh, come on, man. Listen, we were literally, Luke, we literally went over a CIA document from a 1983 experiment where they enter, not only entertained, but endorsed the idea that our brains create a holographic universe around us. Why the hell am I talking about flat earth or reality or anything or quantum physics? You're at CPAC, bro. If we want to talk about the nature yeah. of reality, right. that's another one. Yep, the nature of reality is a whole different topic. So <laughs> Ford can't hear you as well. Uh, I just have the earpiece in here. So let's just get into the main story here. Obviously, CPAC 2019, a very interesting year, a year that has banned a lot of right-wing controversial figures, but allowed a lot of left-wing controversial figures like Jared Holt, the right-wing watch who was here. A lot of liberal journalists were allowed in, given access here. Uh, and it's been very difficult to kind of do confrontations. Security is extremely locked down here. I mean, even just being able to enter into Trump's uh, speech was a huge, huge, huge ordeal. I mean, roads are being shut down. You have to go through different mazes, ID checks and everything. But I think this year, what was really more significant is there was really no attendance by the Rand Paul kind of libertarian community like there usually is. There usually was a strong presence here. There was really very, very little NRA presence. And it's really more of the kind of Trump establishment, more of the Trump kind of doctrine. A lot of talk about the wall, a lot of talk about uh, socialism. Very interestingly, a lot of talk about online censorship. Uh, college censorship, and I believe the second most popular name that was ushered here was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, <laughs> uh, which has been, uh, you know, a lot of people here have been obsessing about it. What have you noticed from your experiences here before we get into Trump's two-hour crazy bombastic speech? Yeah, so I'm here with uh, my friend Heather Mullins, and the, th the observation I had was sort of similar to yours, which was that uh, there were some people who don't neatly fit into conservatism, but do fit into what you might call the right wing. Right. So that would be people like Nick Fuentes and uh, as well as Jacob uh, Wall, who uh, basically had this press conference uh, right in the lobby, but wasn't uh, allowed kind of into the conference itself. What an interesting security guard with uh, Apple with, AirPods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with this Apple earbud who's like a security man. Who, the guy looks like he was maybe five foot six. So, uh, yeah, there were a lot of oddities about that press conference, including that he also handed out a press release that said strictly confidential um, but in any event, so CPAC did have some, some right-wing figures that they wouldn't let in. But then in spite of that, yes, right-wing watch uh, had a person here named Jared Holt, of course. And uh, as well, I forget the name of the woman, but I saw a reporter on Twitter who literally wrote, I'm still credentialed at CPAC, so I have to stay here in the bad place. And it was a picture of her with her head down. So CPAC has credentials, you know, and I mean, I guess you could give them credit for that, which is that they're credentialing. Uh, kind of anybody, regardless of if that reporting is going to be sort of negative toward them. So, I mean, you can certainly spin that in a positive way. And there's uh, been as well, yeah. but that's been my observation that it seems like basically anybody has been able to get press access. And there's been a lot of negative complaining press coverage. I mean, that's pretty much it. I mean, imagine if every national event was dealt with so much scrutiny, with so much negativity, with so much uh, just uh, epitome of like, ah, sorry, we're getting distracted here by other people. But Trump came in, obviously he was the main draw here, brought in all the speakers, talked for over two hours here, it was a half an hour late. Some of the things that stick out to me was Trump, uh, you know, trying new kind of buzzwords. He was saying collusion, delusion. He even said bull shizzle, not bull shizzle, but you know, the bad word, uh, when it came to him being targeted about this Russian probe and the crowd kind of cheered. He really knows how to put on a show. He really knows how to talk to the common person, simplify it, and be a very likable guy because he saw it from the crowd. The way he was talking to him, the way he was, his stage and, and prominence, the way he was making fun of the mainstream media. 
uh, it was something that these people ate up. But of course, there was also other things that I think he shouldn't be talking about. You could see a lot of his ego coming out, especially when he was talking about how many people showed up to his inauguration, saying that the crowds were, no, 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 the crowds were wide. Just because they weren't long doesn't mean anything. How women were walking with heels uh, <laughs> across there. And I'm like, what, 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 Trump, come on now. Uh, what are you doing? There's also a, a different kind of talk that you just tweeted about that's getting a lot of controversy right now that I think would be interesting to uh, inject here. Yeah, so I did want to say about the speech that one thing he said that I, that absolutely was true was that he, he went off script and he said, you know, this is what happens. I go off script and everybody loves it and this is how we won. I, I think just reading the room and just generally speaking his, at his rallies, that's what people love about him is the off script. Uh, when he goes off the teleprompter, that's when it's always the most fun. Uh, and that's why he got so addicted to it that it took two hours. But yeah, so one thing that he said struck a note that that really bothered some of his initial, much the much harder right base, the kinds of people who are not allowed at CFAC this year, which is that uh, he said that the economy is going so well that there's all these new jobs being made that we're going to need more immigrants to come in and take the jobs. And that's a pretty traditional American uh, point of view. That's certainly a Reagan-esque uh, point of view. I think that that's something that most Democrats would celebrate if it wasn't coming out of Trump's mouth. Uh, but... I got uh, a lot, some retweets from uh, Faith Goldie and Richard Spencer, uh, specifically, who are, who are both known as kind of alt-right figures. These are not just build the wall types, but, the, but against legal immigration as well. And they both kind of initially supported Trump, but over the last two years have kind of been getting more and more disenfranchised from uh, Trump as the leader of the alt-right as opposed to conservatives or things like that. So uh, there was, now I'm getting a ton of replies because of that of these people who are saying, you know, Trump is dead to us and all that kind of stuff because he has a pro-legal immigration message uh, where he is still, you know, saying we want the wall. He's still saying, uh, you know, it's on merit, the immigration that we're having, uh, but it's not it's not anti-immigrant rhetoric in the way that uh, some of the alt-right people kind of uh, expected from him. Yeah, yeah, a kind of bigger kind of verbal concession, just like we saw on gun rights where he b banned kind of bump stocks and the right was like, Oh, okay. If Barack Obama would have done that, there would have been a huge outcry. And I think that also leads to kind of the significance of the lesser presence by the NRA, which usually has a very significant presence here. Uh, he also said a lot of things about the Green New Deal. He said he loves the Green New Deal. He supports the Green New Deal. He hopes it's the issue of 2020. Of course, saying that sarcastically, bringing up a lot of the new kind of politicians that are coming into Washington, D.C., because this really does seem even some people have theorized that People like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Somali uh, congresswoman, I forgot her name, uh, Iman Omar, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who are also coming in, that these people are being pushed to the front by the right-wingers so they could actually topple and fall down when it comes to the kind of left-wing democratic establishment power. There's been theories about that. But honestly, seeing Trump talk and the way he just conveyed that stage, other than, of course, some kind of bigger you know, mistruths out there, people didn't care. People were yeah. like, yeah, he had a bigger uh, crowd size during inauguration. He had people convinced, and he is an excellent, excellent uh, speech uh, maker. And 2020 is really going to be an interesting year. A lot of people are counting him out, but from what I've seen in person and the energy in that room, it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I think Trump's very good at um, convincing his base of whatever the position is that he wants to talk about. It was interesting that he actually said some of you guys might not like this before he said that we're that he wants to increase the number of merit-based uh, immigrants. And then when he described that position, that yeah. If it was Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders who said, let's increase the number of uh, immigrants on merit, there are probably some conservatives who wouldn't have uh, been fond of that. So I think Trump is right in saying maybe his base wouldn't have been for it. When he explained it coming out of his mouth, he got cheers of USA, USA, right? So he, uh, 
to his audience, he's, to his base, he is very, very convincing. Uh, they will they will listen to what he says, and they will and they will go along with it. So he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. And he was bringing up, of course, North Korea, Otto uh, Warman as well. He's, he brought up the kid who got punched in Berkeley. Uh, the literally kid literally brought him up. He yeah. literally brought him up to the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, obviously, huge stage presence. But one of the things that I found really significant about his speech is that a, a big part of it was talking about bringing the troops home. He was like, we need to bring the troops home, bring the troops home, build infrastructure here. He was talking about how uh, he was in Washington, D.C. during the government shutdown all by himself uh, with Ivanka who left for Florida. He was like, I was sitting there all alone. Don't cry for me. And then I was like, let's go to Iraq to try to bring the troops back to find out what's going on, because he said military generals were telling him to bring the troops back home. It's going to take about two years. Uh, He said that he decided to take this trip because of that. He, he described in great detail how he was landing and how Air Force One had to shut off the lights. And he said, the United States government spent $7 trillion and we have to still land in this area after we invested so much in there without even having the lights on. He talked about great detail about meeting U.S. General uh, Raisin Kane. Uh, he really likes that, the Raisin thing. He just loved saying the name over and over, General Raisin. He just loved him because of his name. Uh, and, he was, and he asked General Raisin Kane, he's like, okay, what do we need to do to get out of here? Raisin Kane supposedly said two weeks. It's been far two weeks. And this is the thing that we have to kind of talk about here. He talks a good game. He, he could galvanize a whole bunch of people. Uh, but at the same time, let's fact check him a little bit. The whole Jared Kushner thing that happened this week, not good. Uh, what happened to General uh, Raisin Kane's two-week proposal to get the troops out? Uh, Trump said he loved that idea. He loved General Raisin Kane. Uh, and... Uh, Again, it's been far more than just two weeks from this plan. And for, for someone who cares about being anti-war, as, as you do, I think that it's definitely a positive development to see people at a conservative conference being excited about the idea of bringing the troops home. That, that's a positive development, at least in terms of politics. Uh, the question is, of course, whether it goes into, into actual action, whether, whether Trump is going to be driven by his base to bring the troops home because he told them that's what a good thing would be. Yeah, and obviously the, the issue is far more complex, especially with Syria, with 200 troops now remaining, with him even saying, we're bringing some of the troops back now from Syria. But again, the troops are remaining. There's a lot of obstacles. He's surrounded himself with a lot of war hawks. And even people here at some of the sessions here, they were like, Trump is making America great again by leading by attacking people and fighting bad people all over the world. And I'm like, that is the most insane kind of rational thinking that doesn't exist. And it's, it's, un, it's just utterly out of line. He ran on America first, which yeah. was supposed to be, you know, uh, bring the troops back, bring the troops back, attack when, when attacked. But, um, but I mean, he brought an anti-war nationalist message, basically. Yeah, very nationalistic, but also very conceding to the other side. Uh, very, very interesting uh, speech. Two hours off the cuff. I don't think he was reading the teleprompters. He had teleprompters, but he was just going off about things that were happening on the stage against media, about specific issues, about specific people in the crowd. Uh, really, really an excellent speech maker, but yet again, needs to be fact-checked on a lot of the bigger things that he does. Anything else you want to say about CPAC, Ford? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's been interesting. I guess it's, it's a very funny contrast between Pence and Trump, where Pence probably almost entirely stuck to the script and very popular speech. I remember when he said the U.S. Space Force and everybody's clapping and cheering and uh, there's a lot of Space Force t-shirts and hats going around that people are paying $35 for a ball cap. Space Force on it, but that's how excited they are about it. Uh, so Pence also very popular, but a totally different style of, of oration. His speeches are uh, just completely different um, than, than Trump's and both are popular. I think that that was probably one of the critical parts of how he got elected was to remind, oh, you know, to, to those 
dare I say, boring conservatives, right? Uh, Pence, Pence has something to offer, whereas Trump is kind of exciting and, and attracting a different kind of listener. Yeah, a lot of crony capitalism here as we're are showing the sandwiches while, while being uh, uh, wheeled by $20 cold fry festival sandwiches. Very I'm very that. frustrated at that because I'm hungry. The most critical thing that you, uh, that you wrote was about the $20 sandwiches. Yeah. It's just ridiculous, but uh, obviously a lot of different things discussed, a lot of different things taken away from this. Uh, my main takeaway is just Trump Definitely has a big ego, but definitely needs to be fact-checked on a lot of this ego. I've been tweeting about uh, the, the cold sandwiches here, so check me out on Twitter for that. those details. Luke, we are changed. Ford, where can people find you? Also yeah. another independent journalist doing great work. So my outlet is called News to Share. I have a Facebook page called News to Share that I do live streams and raw video, a YouTube page, News to Share. My profile is at Ford Fisher. I'm also here with Heather Mullins, who is at Talk Mullins on Twitter. Beautiful. Ford, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time, input, and uh, having a riot, buddy. So yeah, thank absolutely. you, buddy. Awesome. Let me the next ride. Awesome. All right, man. Uh, so, yeah, that's our take here from CPAC. Let me know what you guys thought, especially in the comments, uh, especially if you have any animalistic comments that you guys want to make with the Super Chats. We would love to hear those. And Jason will be reading off the Super Chats. <laughs> so Luke says, um, you know, I just want to add, Luke, like you said, you're so spot on that it doesn't seem to matter what the guy says to these people that are rabidly in favor of him. The cheers keep coming. And now yep. him saying he's going to stretch this uh, pullout over two years, Luke? Come on. Oh, just in time for the next election cycle. Better get Trump in there or we'll never get out of this war. It's a big problem. And we've got to stop relying on these demagogues to, you know, say they're going to save us. And then we just believe them. Uh, A&E, for instance, has done uh, Trump, uh, the Trump dynasty, a biography on them. Now, I'll admit, I didn't see the second part, but I got to tell you, as long as they don't jump the shark with the Russian nonsense, which I fear they will, the first part is very accurate, and it does not portray a superhero that's going to save the United States of America, Luke. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely makes no sense. Uh, we have another guest who's going to be joining us in a little bit who's going to be talking about uh, Jared Kushner. So let me just jump into the second monologue, if that's okay with you. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, let's definitely, Jared Kushner has got garnered a lot of news this week, uh, especially because of the news about his security clearance being rushed and forced through. Uh, obviously, if you don't know who Jared Kushner is, he is the son-in-law of Donald Trump. He is with his daughter, Ivanka Trump. He has a lot of shady business dealings. He has a lot of uh, connections to, of course, the military-industrial complex as he even negotiates special deals for Saudi Arabia uh, and gets them a cut, uh, make sure that Saudi Arabia saves money. Uh, again, his actions also indicted Michael Flynn on, of course, Israeli collusion, not Russian collusion, but involved Russia being uh, kind of swayed to vote in favor of Israel during a general UN assembly meeting. Uh, he also had Netanyahu sit in his uh, and sleep in his bed when he was a little kid. So there's a lot of interesting news coming from Donald uh, Trump from the White House that is just ripe with nepotism and corruption. And to talk about Jared Kushner, we have our next guest who just well, let me just walk by, and that is Will Chamberlain, who's an awesome human being. Uh, he's a legal expert. He's a former lawyer. He's doing a lot of... I'm not a former lawyer. I'm still a lawyer. Okay, former lawyer. Sorry. I apologize for that. He's doing a lot of uh, media work as well. And uh, me and Will have been talking, and he's been giving me a really interesting perspective on Jared Kushner and this whole national security clearance issue that I haven't seen anyone else talk about. And I would love your take on it, because it seems like Donald Trump kind of 
bit his tongue a little bit uh, on this issue and uh, caught himself in a really bad situation that didn't need to happen. Uh, what's your take on it, Will? So, yeah, I mean, assuming, again, the, the reporting from The New York Times and The Washington Post is correct that uh, Trump did indeed order uh, Jared Kushner to get a security clearance over the objections of John Kelly and the other people as well. Um, the really interesting thing is that they felt the need to lie about it. Right? Uh, the president is entitled to have people around him who he trusts, and the intelligence community doesn't run the executive branch. President Trump runs the executive branch. So if he had come forward and simply said, yes, there were some of the people disagreed, but I'm the president, I was elected, and this is the person I want assisting me on urgent issues of national security, there's no reason he couldn't have just said that. And anybody trying to object to him, I think, would have been on a low ground saying like, oh, well, but like, what about this corruption? I mean, he, and he could have immediately responded, he's my son-in-law. I'm the president. You're, are you saying I'm corrupt? Right? I mean, that, that sort of dynamic could have easily been at play. And instead, he felt the need apparently to lie along, along with Jared and Ivanka. And I think it, it kind of hints at a bigger problem, which is because the president isn't a lawyer he feels, I don't feel like he has a good handle necessarily on exactly what he has the power to do and when he has the ability to disregard the administrative state. Um, so like oftentimes you'll see him like essentially trying to either not doing something he has the power to do because his lawyers suggest that it's untoward, even though if you actually look at the legal authorities, it's clearly there. Um, and this is a situation where he clearly has the legal authority to do this that there's no need to lie about it. And yet, apparently, if the reporting again is true, then he kind of lied unnecessarily. Yeah, and then, of course, a lot of people are going to be saying corruption, nepotism. And, of course, with someone like Jared Kushner, there's a lot of questions around his business dealings, around his business dealings with uh, Lockheed Martin, Saudi Arabia, and all these other things that people are just scratching their head about. Is Should this guy be, you know, have all this access to this important supposedly national security uh, issues that no one else gets. Uh, so it's important to see this issue come to light because like you were talking, we're seeing kind of different rules being played out for Donald Trump than we did see uh, for Barack Obama, especially with this kind of Russian investigation, especially with what's happening with Michael Cohen. The situation is far, far more complex, and you understand it from a legal aspect uh, that I think others don't. So how do you, do you see Trump just not knowing what he is doing in these kind of situations and just kind of trying to push things along and just trying to go along here? Or, or how, how, how else do you see it? And, and do you think that kind of nepotism and corruption charge is something that is uh, valid? So I guess like, two, the Cohen thing is interesting. So you know, we talked, I think we talked earlier about the time that Michael Cohen's office was, office was raided by the Southern District of New York, which was a really fascinating thing. He's the president of the United States and his own FBI is raiding his own lawyer's office. I mean, that's very novel. And I think even if you somehow think this raid was proper, Try to imagine Eric Holder's DOJ authorizing a raid of Barack Obama's personal attorney's office. It's unthinkable. And as the president, there's a norm that he shouldn't interfere in criminal investigations. There's not a rule. He is the commander in chief. He is the superior of the Department of Justice. So, and again, this goes back to like him not fully understanding what his powers are. He could have just as easily in that situation said, no, 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 no. You're not raiding my lawyer's office. That's privileged information. If you want information from my lawyer that you think is discoverable, send a subpoena. You get to send my FBI to raid my lawyer's office 
to seize my privileged information, SDNY. That's not what you get to do. So that's kind of the problem that the same thing we're talking about here, because he's not a lawyer, he misses some of these things. Um, and then so kind of to come back to your question about nepotism and corruption, I think part of the issue and part of the reason he should get a bit of a pass on hiring his son and daughter, for instance, is because he came in without allies. He didn't come in with a political infrastructure. He didn't come in with political allies. Like the Bushes didn't need to hire family members because they had all the think tanks that they could go to for reliable allies. Trump didn't have that. And I could, you know, given how disloyal many Trump subordinates have been, I sympathize with his desire to have, uh, very much sympathize with the desire to have some people who are truly loyal to him. Um, that said, I think that no advisor needs to, should be unfireable. And Jared Kushner, to me, has made mistakes in other places, like on the immigration shutdown fiasco, attempting to negotiate with Democrats when that was obviously going to be fruitless. Uh, so I think, I think his position shouldn't be as strong as it is. Um, but, uh, but I'm also like willing to give the president a pass on, on hiring family because he just doesn't have that many loyal subordinates right now. Yeah. And he has a whole bunch of leakers within the White House, a whole bunch of people. Just, uh, <laughs> so there's oh, a whole. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it's OK. Oh, was that Nick Fuentes or someone? That was Yeah. OK, <laughs> regardless okay. of that, uh, let's just get back on the topic here, because, you, you know, your analysis is pretty much on point on the legal aspect here, because it makes you know perfect sense with the kind of chaos that has been instilled from the White House, because we're seeing a lot of leakers. I don't I think Trump is kind of over his head, not knowing what he's doing. But do you kind of see him shaping up somehow in the future? Because the people he surrounds himself with are extremely questionable, uh, like, you know, from my ex from my point of view, at least from my opinion, especially, uh, you know, a lot of the bigger kind of lobbyists, a lot of the bigger kind of war hawks like John Bolton. Uh, and I'm seeing him kind of scramble. And in these scrambles, he does make mistakes. And I think it's important to own up to those mistakes. But as far as the leakers are going in the kind of chain of command, there definitely seems to be more chaos than any chain. I mean, I think that, you know, much of the last two years has been kind of fixing the problems that happened at the very start with bad hires like Reince. Bringing in Reince Priebus as chief of staff was a very big mistake. I mean, Reince and the RNC abandoned President Trump right you know after the access hollywood tapes came out uh there's no reason to think they were particularly loyal to the guy and he brought him in a just a guy who didn't like him as chief of staff and that led to a slew of lower level hires many of whom were still there of like personnel management whatever that brought in a bunch of people that don't like the president that weren't on the president's team and so rooting those people out is an independent problem that's taken years now that said the leaking has gotten a lot better like you know for example like trump today announced this ex new executive order that clearly was in the speech a pre-prepared note you know he, he speaks extemporaneous a lot but this wasn't extemporaneous and that didn't leak out he, he got to announce it first um if this were two years ago there's no project that he would have had that wouldn't have leaked out so he's done a decent job of improving things but it can again it shows the importance of getting personnel right and getting it right the first time I'm very happy you brought up the executive order because he just kind of announced it and surprised a lot of people. The crowd kind of cheered because that's been a lot of discussion here, uh, especially around college campuses. A lot of people have also been talking about tech censorship, but he didn't bring that up. Now, with the case of this executive order, do you think it could really do something? Uh, because I believe the details of it are still just unknown because he just announced it. But how could he do this the legally right way without kind of trampling and interfering on you know, institutions of learning? So, I mean, that's a tricky question because it, you know, I actually, this is an area of law, you'd have to figure out what sort of discretion does the executive branch have 
with regard to dispensing student loans? And under what conditions can it withhold student loan money? I don't actually know the answer to that question. That's actually a, that's a complicated legal question. I'm going to look into it over the, you know, over the next few days because it seems like it's going to be pretty relevant. I like doing legal analysis. Uh, but that's going to be the question because, you know, you have to look at the law and, you know, certain laws that Congress has, the President law, for example, national emergency law, right? And just get the there's an emergency. Other laws don't give the president so much discretion. They say you must spend X money on X way, and you can only, or you can only deny it for X reasons. So I think it is. I, I'm extremely heartened by the the executive order because I think it's important that President Trump use executive power to protect his supporters. But at the same time, if if you're asking me whether or not it's legal for him, whether the executive order will hold up in court if a college challenges. Um, I'm waiting to see the word because essentially he's talking about bringing back free speech into college campuses and allowing everyone to have a full. Again, a lot of good things are paved with intentionally on the world government gets involved. I'm just going to be very curious to say that we went for junior now. Any say about legal mess? Luke, Luke, you are cutting out big time. I can't even hear your response. Your website. Yeah, on Twitter, Periscope, Apple Chamberlain. Also, I just was announced as the new publisher of Human Event, forthcoming with. Tom is the global um, so Catch that on Twitter at Minute Events and at Beautiful description. Thank you so much, Will, for your time and legal expertise. We're going to move around. Get a Luke, I got to let you go, man. Yes. Um, hopefully, hopefully, he's going to come right back, guys. I don't know what's going on. Um, he's in. He can hear me. I can't hear him right now. Uh, through another line, but uh, hopefully he's going to uh, reconnect to the same hangout because, uh, you know, obviously we want to do as much from CPAC as humanly possible. And just to give people an idea um, what, you know, what they're saying, you know, I'm seeing you, Luke. I'm not hearing you yet, but. Um, okay. Okay. Perfect. Uh, let me check the microphone. That sounds better. Yeah, everything should be working. Yeah. You, yeah. But okay. you're just, your yeah, internet's horrible. You're, you're freeze framed. Okay, okay, I'm going to walk over and try to get better service uh -huh. uh, somewhere. It could be my cell phone service and reception. Mm -hmm. uh, hold on. Let me, we can uh, hear you while you're talking. So while you're here, I'm going to just going to read through some super chats, and then we can go through some of these okay. uh, articles he was referring to. So Bart Sibolsky, uh $2 super chat. Do you think Trump is a Zionist? A few connections. I mean, we've covered here uh, ad nauseum, not only Jared Kushner's connection, uh, but Netanyahu openly saying that him and Trump are the tightest a president and an Israeli prime minister has been. He gave them Jerusalem as the capital. I mean, is that even a question? Uh, Texas Millennial, 999 super chat. Thank you so much, my man. Uh, random, but anyways, Trump knows about Building 7 and continues the uh, industrial military complex. Planned Parenthood's billion-dollar uh, human harvesting scheme continues. Hate to say it, but get woke, brother. I'm alive right now. Uh, brother, I was, uh, I was with him until the get woke. How about we just all get educated? 
And then Tomato yeah. Gal, and I believe you got us last week too, Tomato Gal, $10 Super Chat. Thank you so much. Um, if you do read this article, Trump ordered officials to give Jared Kushner a security clearance, I would say that uh, Will's analysis was spot on. He has every right to give this guy security clearance. We all get it. It's nepotism. No kidding. Um, but he's also right in the fact that he didn't have a lot of political allies going in. Now, if you read this article, the three main connections, Luke, they're talking about are, of course, the United Arab Emirates, Israel, and Russia. <laughs> and I have no doubt that Kushner has uh, Russian connections, but I would say that those are largely business. Now, hey, I'm not sure. They could be military-industrial complex. This sounds like a legitimate criticism. It's been a legitimate criticism from the very beginning. But we know that as a young man, he had Netanyahu sleeping in his bedroom when he visited. Yep, yep, yep. There's a lot of corruption, a lot of nepotism. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, you're, you're a lot better now. I mean, your video's not great, but we can hear you. Okay, yeah, I had to walk away there. Literally had a cop stop me. He's like, oh, yeah, let me support you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm live. Let me live. <laughs> so I apologize. It's good news. We're happy that's happening. But, uh, yeah, the, the whole Jared Kushner case uh, definitely doesn't paint Trump in the best of light. And uh, there does deserve to be a lot of scrutiny because there is a lot of foul play, especially when you have, you know, uh, Ivanka Trump uh, pushing for her father, the U.S. president, to bomb Syria because of videos coming out from a supposed chemical weapons attack in Syria, blaming it without even investigating on the Assad regime, on the Syrian government, which of course is fighting radical Islamic elements. And then what do we have? You know, just a, just a calamity event, and we have Donald Trump committing something that is totally against what he promised to do. So, you know, again, Donald Trump is talking about all these things, but his actions counter that. And the main actions that counter that are pretty much have a lot of fingerprints with Jared Kushner on there. I mean, negotiating a special deal for Saudi Arabia so they get they could get to save money uh, on a weapons contract. You know, the other shady business dealings, you know, the negotiations with, of course, uh, you know, Russia trying to get Israel a better deal at the U.N. Security Council. So, of course, uh, Russia would vote in favor of Israel and not be critical of Israel. Of course, Jared Kushner pushed that to be done by Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was indicted because of that, because he did that before Trump actually sat into the physical presidential office. He was elected president, but wasn't inaugurated. This is why Michael Flynn went to jail and was essentially taken out. So many things that have to be brought up to question here with Jared Kushner that hopefully we were able to shed some kind of light on with our previous guest, uh, Will Chamberlain. Yeah, you know, again, and he's so right. Like, Trump doesn't know when to lie. And I was so glad that he brought up the fact, Luke, that can you imagine Eric Holder, okay, uh, going in and saying, yep, we're going after your lawyer, Obama. No, Obama's a lawyer. Or, for instance, you know, uh, the attorney general for Clinton going after Clinton's lawyer. No, both Clinton and his wife were both lawyers. I mean, look. Trump is a very, I mean, he is the P.T. Barnum. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he leveraged debt and his personality to become the president of the United States. I mean, without Trump's debt, he isn't as big as he is. Without his television show and his persona, he isn't as big as he is. But he's a smart man and he's a good speaker. And he, he did people in at the debates. And like I said, he had people eaten out of his hand during this uh, speech, and when they were kind of like not so happy about North Korea, there was a boo here and there, or like a, uh, you know, he was looking for claps, he wasn't getting them. He ends it 
With the Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. I mean, <laughs> again, bravo, sir. Genius. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, we're, we're going to have to add that to the monologue because that's definitely a good, a very important point you made about just the complete rundown, the, the complete kind of epitome of CPAC and the Donald Trump presidency during the largest kind of conservative conference that happens once a year. All right, so other than that, if there's some other super chats, uh, let's move on to the story that we have for every day of the week, starting off with uh, Saturday, if that's okay with you, Jason, unless there's something else you want to say about all these issues. No, no, no. Actually, it's it's Sunday now. Remember, because you keep saying it in the beginning, too, the Sunday show, and it's Saturday, but it's, sat- oh, sorry, it's the Saturday. Yeah. It's fine. It's the Saturday no, show. No, no, so- no. The Sunday, the Sunday's article. Sunday's yeah, article. Yeah, it's I'm Sunday's sorry. article. No, but in the intro for the last two weeks, you go, it's the Sunday oh, no. show here Saturday. <laughs> and then you say oh, the day. Just See, let you know, brother. You get on the replay. Did I do it today, too? Did yeah, I do did. it today yeah. as well? Yeah. Uh, son of a gun. It's fine. I, that's because like the intro, I have everything just like... Just no, like we did in it in my head already implanted there. It's like a tattoo in my head. Yeah. So it's like because the intro is long. I have to say a lot of things <laughs> and I have to say it off the top of my head. And it just naturally speaking without thinking, you know, it naturally happens like that. So apologies for oh, confusing no people and convincing them that it's Sunday somehow. <laughs> Big fights on tonight, by the way, guys. I can't. I can't. Oh, wait. huge UFC! Yeah, huge UFC fight card today. Holy mm. cow! I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to the the kind of Mike Cernovich event to see what's going on there. Tim Pool's going there. Sure. A lot of other people are going there. I'm gonna be there, but hopefully I can get out there quicker to watch the UFC fight at some bar here, um, because uh, wow, that's a stacked fight. I'm really excited about the John Jones fight. Uh, really excited about even the undercard, even the third undercard looks yeah. like such an exciting fight. I'm really, really excited. It's it's a good uh, one, man. To, uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. Woo! And, and you know what? I know that Anthony Smith is like a nine to one dog. Come on, Anthony, be the biggest upset since Buster Douglas. Sausage Gravy with the two dollar super chat. <laughs> Sausage Gravy says you people are clearly on crack. I don't smoke the cocaine, and I don't snort it either. <laughs> Sausage Gravy, just letting you know. <laughs> Um, and then we also had Jesse Schmidt just say hello all, and I just want to say thanks to Jesse because he's always uh, he's always the man. And I got to tell you, there's some people that stepped up in the tech world this week, Luke. I was really happy to read this story. You know, we've talked about people in Google being upset, engineers saying, you know what, I'm not going to be part of your military-industrial complex programs. I'm not going to code our own demise. And we saw the same thing with Microsoft workers here uh, protesting. Yep, yep, and then... Uh... This is a story that broke, of course, this Sunday, and we have the article here by CNBC about Microsoft workers protesting the $480 million. That is a half a billion dollars military deal, and it doesn't surprise me with Microsoft being on the forefront of technological advancements with, of course, the military-industrial complex using that to, of course, uh, warfare purposes. Sorry, I cut you off, Jason. Continue. No, no, you're dead on. And for those that don't know what this is, uh, it's a hollow lens. And uh, the quote is, we did not sign up to develop weapons. Yeah, a lot of these people, again, they're, they're well-meaning people. Again, when I was coming up, Luke, um, and I was a young guy, and I thought I was going to be in the animation game, and I was going to SIGGRAPH and all this thing, and you're around all these tech geeks, you're just like, man, I hope Pixar hires me, or man, I really hope Microsoft comes in. And, you know, this is all the pre-Google days. This is that, like, late 90s internet boom. And you never think that you're going to be part of developing a hollow lens augmented reality system straight out of the... You think you're going to make that in the sci-fi movie 
that takes place 50 years in the future with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt saving the world, you don't think you're actually going to be like, hey, this is a great idea. We're going to develop this right here, and the military is going to do it. So people, th this is a good step. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, anybody will step in. Well, we have to fight this. We have to really verbalize the fact that these things are bad, all right? Technology is a double-edged sword, and actually going over some of these Ike interviews, we just put a second part of that Ike interview out. Folks, if you haven't seen it, this one's on DMT, frequencies, the nature of reality. Um, but we're going to be putting one out in the future about transhumanism, okay? And Kurzweil's a big part of that. He mentions Kurzweil. And Kurzweil's the first to tell you. This is the guy that says, hey, not only are we going to have a singularity, we're going to upload our consciousness, I'm going to bring my dead uh, father back, and I'm going to soar through the cosmos and the multiverse as a singularity of light, taking any form I want. But he'll be the first one to tell you that this technology is a double-edged sword. And it's not written in stone how it will be played. And that... Really, technology has been a double-edged sword since fire and since the Industrial Revolution. It's gone up on an exponential scale. So we don't know where we're at, but I'm glad human beings are starting to realize, gee, Luke, maybe we shouldn't cut our own throats. Yeah, I mean, truth is stranger than fiction, especially in our technologically advancing world. And it's terrifying understanding the realities of how weaponized these technological advancements could be and how detrimental they could be to human civilization, to the way we live our lives. I mean, we're seeing small kind of improvements, but we have to be extremely careful and, and be on the forefront of making sure that this is not weaponized and used against us, because when it is, it's going to be too late to resist it. This is not the Terminator. This is worse than the Terminator. This is not machines. These are human beings who are, of course, a lot of them are power hungry. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And throughout human history, few corrupt individuals have always been forcing the masses to fight each other, to attack each other. That's why we're seeing this bigger divide and conquer agenda. And with technology being in the hands of these very few elitists, which it is, whew, that, that, it, it, it leads to a situation that is certainly going down the wrong route. It needs to be decentralized. It needs to be, you know, and I really do commend these people at Microsoft because they are part of the answer. They are sticking up for their morals. They are sticking up for doing the right thing and saying, I can't have it on my conscience to create something that's going to create so much human harm. So I applaud these workers. I applaud the Google workers who quit uh, with all the horrible efforts that Google has been making. There's a reason uh, they, they got rid of their term, uh, don't be evil. There's a reason why a lot of these technocrats are being now invited to the smaller secret uh, society clubs like Bilderberg. That's because uh, the amount of power they wield is frightening, and it should frighten everyone. And stories about people resisting it, like the people in Microsoft, really need to be brought to the forefront and shared and talked about more than ever. Absolutely. And before we move on to the... Uh the next uh, story, I just want to say thank you to uh, Texas Millennial. Gave us another super chat, $4.99. Here's to better streaming quality with a cheers. You got to understand, when Luke is on the road, it's up to the Wi-Fi. Like, what do we got, you know? And when there's thousands yep. of people out there, it's tough. Um, it, you know, you can get those little boxes, but I got to tell you, they don't have a lot of success. You know, they get bundled up. They're, they're okay. They don't have the bandwidth. Um, but we're trying our best, and uh, we are on the ground. This next story, Luke, isn't so much a story, but it was a really interesting post. It's something that I had not seen before. And uh, this is on Twitter. It's at OpDeathEatersUS. And 
we've had the availability of kind of this scanned in and very redacted PDF file of Jeffrey Epstein's black book. What's really interesting is this is a searchable one where you can go through all the available information. And I mean, you scroll through this bad boy and there are some serious names in here. Not that that yep. should be shocking, but names, you know, that you're not hearing, you know, not just Spacey, not just Clinton. Um, we're, we're talking a lot. You know, I talked about Tommy Mottola with you earlier this week, the huge record executive. People like Gethin are in here. So uh, a really interesting tool for those that are looking into cases like Nexium and the Epstein case. Yeah, and by the way, the person who stole this book did more jail time than the person who committed the, the sexual deprived acts and pedophilia. Uh, that is, of course, Jeffrey Epstein. That's the crazy part of this entire story. And still, you know, some of the information is blacked out, but it's just absolutely insane how powerful and how interconnected uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, actually is. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% spot on. A lot of people don't realize this was leaked by his butler. Uh, that person did more jail time, and he's no longer with us either, by the way. He did pass away yeah. afterwards. So um, I'm not saying there's anything more to that, but that's a fact. So, you know, moving on to this kind of theme of abuse, we got this story out of Pink News in the UK, and by the way, um, there's even more to it today as Sir Ian McKellen, if you will, is backtracking on this statement because, you know, it's not the best statement to make, Luke. Uh, a lot of people, you know, love his acting, not only Lord of the Rings, he's Magneto in the X-Men series. Now, he's been an in-the-open homosexual for a very long time. And he basically made the comment he was waiting for accusations to be made against him and that he probably wouldn't remember them, number one. That's really odd to say. And then two, he said that basically Spacey and Brian Singer um, were abusing or doing their actions, abusing, I mean, again, these are underage people because they were closeted homosexuals. And I'm sorry, that is not correct, and that's why he's had to try to retract and backpedal on these statements. But look, you can't tell me that just because you're in the closet and you've repressed your sexuality, you have the right to abuse children, or that's what caused it. Uh, there's no correlation with that. And anybody, um, you know, again, that is, you know, openly gay will tell you that's, that's a repulsive and repugnant thing to try to promote. I mean, that's what the mainstream media promoted, especially with the Kevin Spacey story. You know, a victim came out and said that he was abused as a little boy by Kevin Spacey. And the mainstream media talked about Kevin Spacey's response, but specifically him allegedly coming out of the closet. Like, how brave, how great it is for Kevin Spacey. Breaking news, Kevin Spacey gay is gay. Not to the fact that there was a major allegation, a very serious, legitimate allegation for him sexually abusing a minor. Uh, absolutely incredulous. Uh, I, how do you make a statement like this? We're, I'm waiting for <laughs> accusations against... <laughs> like, makes absolutely no sense. What is he doing? Uh, I don't know. A, a lot of times you look at a lot of people who commit really bad, horrible acts. A lot of times, um, even when it comes to famous murder cases, a lot of the suspects, a lot of the people who actually do commit the crime, sabotage themselves because their conscience 
conscience can't live with the horrible acts that they committed and they kind of out themselves. This could be an example of this happening. Uh, still unsure, but I hope if anyone is out there who is a victim of any celebrity or politician that they come out and they speak out against it as loudly as they can and they need to be taken seriously. And of course, we of course need to investigate and get down to the bottom and hold people accountable, especially when they are in power. That's my take on it. That was wait, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday story. Now we're going to Wednesday story. Uh, yes, about sir. Rotten Tomatoes. You got it. And uh, I just thought this was really interesting. <clears throat> Rotten Tomatoes has taken a, a page out of the notebooks of social media and pre-censoring. So now you can no longer make criticisms uh, to films that are not out there on their page that are non-constructive input. So why is this important? Well, listen, man, we've always had... Uh, a way to create buzz around films. And there's a lot of that that's organic, right, Luke? But now we're going to mm -hmm. take that away. We're going to sense... Listen, if I'm watching a trailer for Captain Marvel and I think that her suit is stupid and I want to post that on the site, I'm not allowed to? I mean, look at your buddy Tim Pool. He did a whole video. I, I didn't watch it, but I saw it in his little thing about how he's going to skip Captain Marvel. Now, is that constructive criticism? Because it's only based on the trailer. And even if it's not based on the trailer, maybe it's based on the actress. Maybe I don't like her. Maybe I like somebody else in the role. Or maybe I don't like Samuel L. Jackson. I don't think he's a great actor. I do think he's a pretty good actor. But do you see my point? It's like you're not allowed to have an opinion out of outside of what the Hollywood industrial complex is shoveling down your throat. And unfortunately, it's usually about 99% duty. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. And it's not just happening with Rotten Tomatoes. It happens with, of course, news organizations that get rid of their comment section. It happened recently with Netflix, with them getting rid of their rating system of what people actually thought of specific movies, especially after the Amy Schumer debacle, where Amy Schumer was getting a lot of negative reviews. They just totally ended that process of having people rank what they like and dislike. They're afraid of hearing people's voices because it directly contradicts a lot of the propaganda, a lot of the forced marketing and PR trying to establish something as good. And again, this is where a lot of the mind control kind of comes in because if you're able to convince someone that something is popular, that something is okay, majority of people will just go along with it. They're like, oh yeah, people love that Amy Schumer thing and there has a lot of thumbs up. Oh, it doesn't have a direct rating system now. You can't exactly get figure out what's going on. Oh, Rotten Tomatoes, there's a there's a horrible Star Wars movie again that sucks and it's just is the same plot regurgitated through you, uh, pushing and of course all these agendas again. Movies are one of the major, major kind of mind control propaganda outlets out there that are forced upon the perceptions of the people of this world. And uh, they are afraid of people criticizing that or disagreeing with their bigger agendas. And this is the perfect example of that happening. So that was Wednesday's story. Now we have uh, Thursdays. Yeah, but before we get there, I do want to point out that, you know, you did a video on uh, the CIA tweeting out about last weekend's uh, Oscars and this huge tweet storm about what? A film, The Black Panther, where they were going over different types of technology in The Black Panther and kind of alluding to the fact they had similar technology. And, and you know, when you want to talk about the, the mind control of it all, hey, I like Black Panther. I'd probably give it a 6, 5, 7 out of 10. Nothing wrong with that. It's probably... I'd give it like a 4, 5 out of I'll 10. Get, 
I'll put it up with like Ant Man two. It was like a normal Marvel. It was like copy stamp normal Marvel movie. There was nothing different about it than all the other Marvel movies. Well, I like some of the Marvel movies. See, like for instance, a lot of people. Some wanna... of the Marvel movies are good. Yeah, yeah. Some like a lot of people crap on mediocre. Yeah, well, I mean, all right. Yeah. For instance, a lot of people crapped on uh, Iron Man three, right? You had Tony Stark, military industrial complex guy. They the, they weren't true to the Mandarin, but they had Ben Kingsley, and I thought it was brilliant. They made him into a pseudo Bin Laden for hire CIA character, an actor. I thought that was it was false flag. He's an actor. He's the boogeyman. And I was like, wow, you know, this isn't some small movie they put this in. They put this in probably the largest Hollywood blockbuster of the year. So I applaud Marvel for doing things like that. But at the same time, you know, if I can't say your movie's crappy or if you're, you know, giving a pro-police state agenda, well, I, I, I want my free speech, Luke. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, personally, I didn't like Iron Man just for the basic fact that he was also a military contractor and just corporatist greed kind of Jeff Bezos wannabe on one level. I just didn't enjoy the Iron Man movies. Uh, Captain America, though, really enjoyed those movies. Same kind of studio made, probably the same kind of subliminal propaganda out there, but who knows. But we should be able to have an opinion on these things. And I think we, you know, that's what made the Internet as amazing as it was, having people being able to have their voice finally heard, finally. Uh, you know, nothing was uh, sensitized, nothing was controlled, nothing was just wiped clean to just be the approved messages. And people were able to finally voice popular truths that they believed in, that they resonated with, and now, bam, you can't have that anymore. And uh, slowly and surely, our voices are being taken away, they're being sanitized, they're being squeegee cleaned for, of course, big money. And that's what this is all about, and they're lying to you if they say otherwise. So here we go, Thursday's story. This one's a big one. I mean, this is a uh-oh spaghetti-o story. You got Israel's Benjamin Netanyahu probably going to be indicted on corruption charges. And why is this important? Well, number one, Netanyahu has been around for decades, Luke, for decades. This isn't, you know, just kind of some slip-in new school prime minister. No, 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 no. Bibby's been around, baby. And uh, these corruption charges that he's being brought on by the uh, attorney general shows that there is absolutely a rift within the Israeli establishment. Um, There is no doubt that um, these charges are legitimate. The only question right now is what's going to happen? Because obviously uh, Netanyahu's not just going to give up his spot on the throne. And you have to wonder, you know, Trump has been very buddy-buddy with him up front. Michael Bolton has been an Israel firster forever, all right? Are there other people, we just talked about Kushner's relationship to Netanyahu. Are there other people on the inside that are aligning themselves with this attorney general and these corruption charges, not only in the United States, Luke, but yes, possibly Russia. This is where an actual, you know, espionage, uh, global kind of, you know, tit-for-tat warfare can take place, in my opinion. What do you think? I mean, we're going to see what happens with this very, very important case. Some people are saying he is just going to get a slap on the wrist and not face any persecution. Uh, We're also hearing that, you know, this is, of course, a major power play Uh, from my recent travels to Israel. He is a favorite to win. Uh, He is a favorite, again, to be uh, in office for quite a while. Uh, He is very popular amongst a lot of the right wingers. So, I mean, it's very, very hard to call. It's very hard to see how this will lead. But fascinating, nonetheless, that this actually happened because this does besmirch his character. This does 
have a huge effect on how people see him and portray him. And uh, there's definitely some kind of power play being moved here. How it will turn out, what's the bigger game here? We're going to find out as, of course, this develops. And it would be irrational to uh, give you a definitive answer when we don't have one yet on this one. Absolutely. And, yeah, we're going to be playing this one close, everybody. Um, Friday's story, and this is another big one. The hits keep coming, guys. So whether people realize it or not, uh, Epstein actually has some more hearings coming up. And Alan Dershowitz has never distanced himself from Epstein other than to say that he was not part of uh, sexual actions with underage girls. He went on the Today Show with his family, denied it up and down. Um, there are women that have accused him. They've never really seen their day in court. Well, Mr. Dershowitz, still on the side of good old Jeffrey Epstein, such a good guy, the Dersh. Oh, he loves to defend Trump, too. I know, I know some Trump firsters are going to hate me for that one, but it's true. He's on TV constantly defending Trump. Um, he suggests that, you know what, let's curb press access to this hearing. We wouldn't want the press to cover this hearing on the Jeffrey Epstein sex abuse case, Luke. Yeah, I mean, absolutely ridiculous. This is a very important case about a very politically connected person with a lot of dirt around a lot of powerful people. And we need to hear these details. We need to know what's going on here. And, of course, Alan Dershowitz, who has been at, to many previous CPACs, hasn't been here. A lot of public events he's doing, he's calling in. I would love to have a conversation with him because he is also responsible for the plea deal of the lifetime. Because when Jeffrey Epstein was actually being charged, he was able to work out a, a plea deal that recently was um, judged as illegal, judged as improper, judged as uh, being totally wrong. Because, again, Jeffrey Epstein faced a lifetime in jail and he got away with literally a one-year prison sentence where he only spent a half a day every day in jail. Uh, he literally was let out for work release, was able to go to his office and then sent to sleep, literally being sent to a, a rich prison for, for rich people, like camp outing every single night, and still was able to live his life pretty much very normally. Uh, so Alan Dershowitz, Again, no conscience, no morals here. I would bet my bottom dollar that he's only supporting Trump mainly because trying to gain some more power here during this case, which is all about that corrupted power. And nothing says that more than Jeffrey Epstein. And this is a man that really, really needs to face the full repercussion of not only the, the court of public scrutiny, but also the court of law. And uh, hopefully he does not get that motion passed, and hopefully we will be able to find out all the details from this very, very important case that proves it's not left, it's not right, it's all about corruption at the top, billionaires being able to be pedophiles because they hang out with Kevin Spacey, Bill Clinton, and other right-wing um, famous people who are able to give him special privileges in this life. Uh, that's not the way life should be. And uh, let's, let's hope that uh, we finally get more light and sanitation on this shadowy issue that is, of course, not easy to talk about. Yeah, and you know, I just want to roll into uh, Dershowitz for a second. A lot of people aren't aware that Dershowitz actually negotiated the release um, to Israel not only the quote-unquote dancing Israelis 
from 9-11. But in the weeks leading up to 9-11, there was actually a large spy ring. Uh, Fox did a five-part uh, uh, thing on it. Not only Israeli art students, but there were people everywhere. Um, it's, you know, everybody just talks about the art students. They talk about the dancing Israelis. Um, they talk about the ones that may or may not have had, um, you know, explosive residue. But there was also a roundup after 9-11. Um, as many, I believe, as 144 of these people. Well, Alan Dershowitz is the lawyer that negotiated through our government and the Israeli government to have these people shipped back. Um, and, you know, if you doubt me, you can see that Ari Fleischer actually talks about this um, in my film, Fabled Enemy, so does Colin Powell. All this stuff is on the record. So Dershowitz has been a uh, player on a global scale for quite some time in very, very, very large cases, Luke. Great points you brought up there. And, of course, this well-connected uh, lawyer that has a very shadowy past, of course, is representing Jeffrey Epstein, of all people. I mean, uh, doesn't surprise me, but just the audacity of it all and, and really... These are just deep down sinister, sinister, sinister people who have far too long been able to get away with far too much. Absolutely. Hopefully you know these, this trial whether, changes it. Yep. I don't know whether to laugh or cry at today's story, but I came across this last night and I thought to myself, what the freaking hell? <laughs> okay. Now we've covered some pretty wacky stuff on this show. We covered a couple that a transgendered man, so it was a woman who hadn't had any surgery but felt like she was a man, was a dog. She had a whole dog outfit. She had a waggy tail. Uh, the gentleman who was her uh, boyfriend, I believe, I think that was sort of the terminology. I don't want to misgender anybody. Uh, but he was treating her like a dog. Well, here we go, folks. Oh, did didn't we get didn't we get a strike and had to take that video down? Well, and the thing was, we didn't even play the video full screen or anything. We played a clip of the video out of the article, and I think that what happened was it was like a copyright claim, so we had to demonetize it or you know just something ridiculous. It was it was a literally an hour and a half clip. We talked about it. We didn't play more than like thirty seconds in a row. And if that's not news, if we can't show that people are identifying as dogs, I don't know what we can do. But we can do this. We're otherworldly, baby. There's a new gender spectrum. <laughs> X trend. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell the like about this. <laughs> Ex-transgender man, 33, who now identifies as an agender alien, reveals they have had their nipples and eyebrows removed to look less human. And I'm sorry I'm going to put you through this, but take a look at what we have here. I'm not allowed to label this insane or crazy. This is just another step, apparently, on the gender spectrum of now alien. You can now identify as a fictional transdimensional space being, Luke. It's okay. That sounds curious. <laughs> sounds interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at some of the pictures here. Like, holy cow. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, if they want to be a nippleless. <laughs> what what else is there? What, uh, hold on, I, I'm, I'm stuck on the image here. I mean, if someone wants to be a nippleless, eyebrowless, 
alien. I mean, they're going to make David Icke happy. And uh, <laughs> he's probably like, we got him. We, we finally solved it. We proved it. It's real. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. What if he, what if he is an alien? Jason, you ever well, you know that? what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna go to the two super chats. <laughs> Stephen, these photos are incredible. I, I I I Luke again. If you see my tweet, I was like, can I call this person crazy, or will they literally be a pioneer? You can't call hero? him a person. You can't you can't call him a person. They don't <laughs> identify as a person. They identify as an alien. You hate crime promoting. Uh, Bugalo, you. Is Bugalo even a word? I don't know, These but Steve, are... Stephen Best wants to start a petition to make Epstein's hearing public. I'm with you. But Jesse Schmidt has a question for you, Luke. Regarding the uh -oh. Nicholas creature, would you? LOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking at these photos, no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. I, I don't shy away from the weird, but uh, no. Wait, is this? Oh, it's a man. Yeah, no, no. Is it a man? I believe Jason. it's a transgendered man. I think that this is actually a girl who had so her... So it's a woman becoming a man. Who? No, a woman who became a man who now became a, a, an agender alien. Okay, okay. Now we're talking a little bit. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> now Jared's we're talking. Nip, nip, not, let's build up some facts here. Jarrett Nebula. What's the real name? I wonder what this person's real name is. Uh, 33 years old. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, definitely not. But wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if I saw this person at like Burning Man. Oh um, yeah. Oh, that's that's got Burning Man written all over. That, that's a Burning Man yeah, novel yeah. right there. Yeah, this is nothing new. I mean, this is this is like daily things you see at Burning Man all the time. Uh, that could be. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. you got to tread carefully. Uh, no, no, that's the, no. What about you, Jason? Oh, what do you Would think? You, uh... what do you, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's, let's go from a Jason Burmis perspective. I can tell by this person's face that they have a very attractive face. Number one, like it's not like Okay, it's so not, that's a yes. So that's a Jason it's not Burmis a yes at all. Would, that's not what would, I said. See, how dare Jason you? Would, breaking news alert. Jason Burmis would make intimate love to a transgender alien. Nope. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying. That. I'm tweeting that. Oh, are you? Yeah, thank you. I, you know, the <laughs> last, my last, like, serious girlfriend was a piercer by nature. Uh, by nature. By career. A, a and, piercer? Uh, piercer, yep. And I remember she got her, her lip pierced right here for a little while, too. And, you know, there was a lot. She's heavily tattooed. That's fine. I, and, and you know what? Do whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel good. Don't expect me. <laughs> Uh, to label you an agender alien or God knows the, the minute you start taking hormones and you get rid of, I mean, it looks like, you know, there's no way that her female breasts or I can't even say her, her the female breasts could come back even with estrogen. the aliens stop misgendering and mispronouncing this aliens uh, existence. Jason. We are going to get in trouble. Luke, I don't want to wrap it up, but it is over an hour. I do want to thank everybody and say, 
Uh, please, 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 please support us some way, somehow, some way. Go to the subscribe star. Go hit the newsletter up. Um, like I said, you got full access to the entire Ike interview. We're putting those out in bits and pieces. I'm sure Luke is going to come back with a slew of videos from CPAC. Some of those may or may not be um, exclusives uh, to you subscribers. But you guys keep us going. You know, they let you let Luke be on the ground and actually see these events and how they're going. And I think it's important to know that the libertarian aspect has almost disappeared entirely from CPAC. And not a lot of people are going to tell you that. So, um, yeah, you know, Jesse yeah, yeah. Schmidt, thank you. He says, thanks for the info and the laughs. We always appreciate you, Jesse. We got some new shirts. We got CNN is fake news. We got a Fox fake news shirt. You can get them in a nice hoodie. And all that stuff helps support this operation. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at some of the comments. We got a lot of negative feedback from the Fox News uh, fake news t-shirt. Uh, did you see that as well? I thought that was interesting because... Uh, uh, I, you know what? You I think a lot of people, and I don't know, you know, I didn't see that. No, I, I hadn't looked, but a lot of people are just hung up that, you know, guys like Tucker Carlson are telling more truth than ever. And here's the thing yes, he is. But you saw how he handled real questions from that Dutch historian about the influence of money in the media. And there was a time, Luke, a lot of people aren't going to remember this, you will, when MSNBC and Keith Olbermann. We're telling a lot of the truth. And I was like, man, I'm so happy that at least somebody, Keith Olbermann, is telling me the truth. And what I'm telling you is you need to listen to all sides. You cannot aggrandize one network as if it's team baseball. And even tomorrow's news today is promoting clockwork elves' insanity and muddying the waters of reality. So, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best guy in the world. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But... If you take me to task and I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I'll say, you know what? You got me. Or I'll at least have the conversation with you. I'm not going to shout you down and tell you I'm 100% right. Conversations and dissent is how we get things done, Luke. Yeah, I, I want to know what happened to uh, Tucker Carlson because I still remember he was wearing that bow tie and he was on MSNBC. He was a, a, a like foaming at the mouth warmonger mm -hmm. and now he's kind of coming out very anti-war he even criticized donald trump a little bit which is outside of the, of course the party reigns of fox news which is important to note here but yet again he's not perfect i disagree with him on a lot of other issues as well but uh really just interesting to see him on that network but overall that network does cater to a specific audience that what that's what fox news does cnn msnbc cater to their audience and they of course are beholden to it and they make editorial of course decisions that create bias everyone is biased our bias is against against me personally my bias is against any kind of centralized big authority whether it's corporate or government and that's why i think it's important to be critical of the right and left and that's why we made a cnn t-shirt and that's why we made a fox news t-shirt uh, we want both of those views expressed because those those are both of the views that we agree with. Some networks are more fake news than others, but I think it's important to have that distinction and that understanding that you're watching an agenda. You're watching big money. You're watching people who, of course, have something that they want to accomplish. And the way they do that is by selecting and pick-kicking what you can and cannot know. That's the bigger issue that I wish people would understand here. That's why we're here. Decentralize everything. Don't believe anyone. Believe in yourself Rise up yourself, have authority in your own life, in your existence that leads down to a path of peace and prosperity. And the best way to do that is to not have big government, big corporations standing in the way of you doing that and 
fulfilling the destiny of your free existence during our time, our limited time on this little blue dot that we all share together. That's my take on it. I, I, if, you know, if I could characterize my philosophy, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know if you want to share your philosophy, Jason, or you want to end it. Uh, your call on this one. Well, I'll end it with this. Uh, anxious artificial intelligence. One of our very, very great members out there also threw us a nice little $5 super chat. And he says, so Luke, are you lonely? <laughs> you can do better than an alien. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who says the, the, the alien I only had said an that face. when I you can said tell the alien that, had an attractive face. I mean, I, that's exactly what I said. I looked at that. Listen, I'm yeah. looking at it now, and I guarantee if that face was attached to a woman's body in a bar, even with the piercings and stuff, Jason Burmis would pony up and say, hey, my lady, would you like to do a shot? I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just on. <laughs> we're 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 giggling. Uh, All right, guys. Um, what what are we gonna put out tomorrow? We're gonna put out. Uh, we're gonna put a bunch of CPEC stuff out next week, right? Well, as let's do. I I thought I th I thought like um, the the second time I came back to Ford, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, the whole CPEC rundown, the whole Trump rundown. Um, I think we, I don't know, maybe the people in the comment section could help us for a title because we're going to take a segment and make it for Sunday's video. I think the Ford Fishers, bigger CPAC, of course, CPAC's not going to do well since it's over. Something about Trump, uh, breakdown of Trump's, it was a very big speech he gave today. I mean, he went off the cuff for two hours and talked about a lot of things. He went off, he went off against his own attorney general. It was, it was, uh, it was a pretty eye-opening speech. Uh, the breakdown of Trump, uh, 2020. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about the election, so I guess something about, uh, Trump's plan for 2020 and, and how they're pushing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, and these other people. I think something along those lines, I think that would be a good monologue. I don't know. The people in the comment section will tell us All right, uh, what so would be good. We'll, we'll cut that in. And guys, like I said, keep on the lookout for the rest of the Ike stuff. If you haven't checked out the latest DMT one, it's really eye-opening. It's really, um... Well produced, got some extra stuff. You can show it to friends. And like I said, guys, please support us. But more importantly, share the information and be the change you want to see in the world. Yep. Jason, thank you so much. And uh, stay tuned for more here on YouTube.com forward slash we.